Good evening and welcome to Fordos Productions Milkshake Monday. I am Manita Helm, the founder and the speaker tonight. We are going to be talking about what are you wasting? And I told you all that you're going to need your steel steel tip boots tonight because it may be an opportunity for those of you who are hearing that it may touch your toes. It may stomp on your toes, not because Anita's uh, doing anything, but the Spirit of God gave me this teaching and it's primarily for those of you who say that you love the Lord and are Christians, but there are elements here that are for those who have not made that decision. And even those who are in the household of faith who are members, but they really are not disciples. And I'm going to show you some examples. Before I start, I wanted to thank everyone for their prayers, intercession, and their giving and volunteering for the Let's Get Connected William Dallas Helm Memorial Homeless Event. It was wonderful that we were able to collectively help many people. And that was wonderful. And through the grace of God and through many of your prayers and your support. So thank you from the bottom of the Resurrection Baptist Church heart and the Helm family. And you saw the pictures and videos on Facebook. Secondly, as a result of some of the pictures and my story regarding the Memorial Homeless event, I was called today. uh, I was contacted first to say, Sister Helm, I need you to give me your number. And then when the person called me, he was a long-term friend of Reverend Helm, but he had been sick for a while. He had been off of Facebook. So in seeing the memorial reference today is when he learned that Reverend Helm died. And At first he had shared with me how he'd been sick. So I thought maybe he had been sick and he forgot, but he said, no, he was just learning it. And so to feel the raw edges of his grief and the pain of the loss of his friend that he loved and cherished, it was, it was difficult because as the widow of it's been over a year. So I've been able to grieve, but to hear that news that he had just learned, it was heart wrenching for him especially, and for me to go through it. And I told the girls, my daughters today of this friend and how he just found out and all of this were going, oh, wow. You know, we, we utilize Facebook and word of mouth and telephones, but sometimes there are always people missed. And, um, that was really, uh, it was hurtful to have that happen, but he does know, and he knows that his brother is in the is in the presence of the Lord now. And that, um, one day all of us who say we love the Christ will be in that same posture. So there's a lot of teaching tonight. So, and a lot of scriptures. So get your Bibles out, Pam, you're going to have to work, babe. Appreciate you putting in the scripture. So let's start how I got this title. We're going to be out of John chapter six, verses one through 15 and the living Bible is the version I'm going to read from where I'm starting. I want you to have an appreciation that Christ, who is the cousin of John the Baptist has just found out that John's head has been chopped off and he's dead. And after that, he immediately goes into this passage that we're going to see, which is John chapter six. After this, meaning after learning about John, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And a huge crowd, many of them pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem for the annual Passover celebration, were following him wherever he went to watch him heal the sick. So when Jesus went up into the hills and sat down with his disciples around him, he soon 
saw a great multitude of people climbing the hill looking for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, it would take a fortune to begin to do that, to begin to do it. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a youngster here with five barley loaves and a couple of fish. But what good is that with all this mob? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. And all of them, the approximate count of men was only, only was 5,000, sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and passed them out to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and everyone ate until full. Now gather the scraps. Jesus told his disciples so that nothing is wasted. And 12 baskets were filled with the leftovers. When the people realized what a great miracle had happened, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Jesus saw that they were ready to take him by force and make him their king. So he went higher into the mountains alone. I want you to understand, Jesus said, gather those scraps up. Remember, they had five barley loaves and two fish. And at the end of this miracle, where after he thanks his father, because he already knew, like it said, he asked Philip a question. Philip never answered where you could buy it. He answered to say, we don't have enough. We don't have enough money. And then you had another person right after come back and say, how are we going to do this? They couldn't believe God for who he was and what he had at his command. And so they questioned and questioned and questioned. And at the end, after he had done this miracle, it was more than enough so that they didn't have five barley loaves left. They had 12 baskets of scraps. But Christ says he doesn't want any of that wasted. Now, if he says that about bread, what do you think he's saying about the creations of men and women, boys and girls? It is not his will that any should perish. He doesn't want any to be lost. In another translation of the Amplified Bible, instead of it says none wasted, he said, he says in this case, in verse 13, he says, so they gathered them up and they filled large baskets and pieces from the five barlows, which were left over by the, those who had eaten. But he said in this scripture, gathered up the leftover pieces so that nothing would be lost. Why would we think that the Christ, the Messiah, the son of God would want any living being of soul and flesh that cannot inherit the soul can go, but the flesh can't. Why would we think that he would want anything of us and our lives lost or wasted? So tonight, when the question is, what are you wasting? I'm going to tell you some areas that you can be wasting and what you can be wasting. And I'm going to keep saying, are you wasting it? Why are you wasting it? Because I'm going to keep repeating it so that you can take an account of your life now. Now, I also, I had prepared the teaching, but then the Lord told me something. I got to tell something to you all who are Christian believers. It is no accident that the Holy Spirit through the inspired word of God made sure that in the scriptures that we knew that people that professed having a faith 
in religion, in the Old Testament, and even saying they were followers of Christ, that those very people wasted the opportunity of their salvation and access to Jesus, even though they were pretending they were in the number in some cases, they were in positions of authority, but they wasted the opportunity because their motives were wrong and they thought they could fool God, but God saw through them. And I'm just going to tell you these examples because they weren't even part of my teaching, but the Lord spoke to me and I said, God, I'll get it in there. And I'm going to put it in the beginning. Their wasted motives and intentions and desires were not of God. And these examples that I'm going to tell you, Judas was a disciple, so to speak, but he ended up being the son of perdition because he wasted the opportunity of hearing the word of God from Jesus Christ. And even though he was there with the number doing things, he's now going to be in hell. He wasted that opportunity. So he was Judas and in his role, remember he was treasure. He was also stealing. He wasn't believing and he was the son of perdition. Adonis and Sapphiris were part of the congregation. They wasted an opportunity to give and be a part of the discipleship of Christ because of money. Lost their opportunity in the Holy Spirit. Killed them both instantly. King Saul wasted an opportunity to be the king of the nation of Israel because he wanted to disobey God and the spirit of God left him and he was tormented by a spirit that God sent to him, wasted his opportunity even to the point of him committing suicide. The Pharisees, Christ called them white sepulchers. Even though they had the title, they had the robes, he used Matthew 6 as an example, says they do it just for show. Their motives are wrong, they wasted it. Cain, in Genesis, God told him, if you would do right, but he told him, Satan is crouching at your door. He wasted the opportunity where the father was speaking to him. Those are just some examples of how we waste. And even out of Matthew chapter seven, verses 22 through 23, the father through the spirit of God had them write that example for Christ to be spoken to say, people, many will say, did I not prophesy? Did I not this? And he has to say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So as you're listening to this, which some of you listen, but you listen just for, oh, I just looked at a Bible study. It's not just that. God is speaking to the people of God to share the truth of God because he knows, the father knows when he's coming back. And we're playing as though we got all the time in the world. We're focused on elections. We're focused on the new year. We're focused on Thanksgiving and Christmas coming. We're focused on all these things. But the reality is we do not know the hour that the father will say it's time. Things are happening. Times is flying past. It's already ready for 2023. And we just literally just got into 2022. The time is speeding up. Everything that God has spoken from Genesis to Revelation is, is unfolding in front of our eyes, but we have to have eyes to see ears to hear. So let's go. Now, after we've seen, why am I getting this word? What are we wasting? Because Christ didn't want to waste anything. The first thing that we're wasting is time. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through 14, I'm going to read it out of the living because the living says the word time versus the new King James and the King James reference seasons. But I'm going to read that first verse 
in both the Living and the New King James. There is a right time for everything. New King James says, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, what are you wasting? It could be any of these, but I'm gonna call out a few of them so we're making sure that we're not wasting those because it's time for us to get serious about time. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Don't waste this opportunity to be a part of the harvest and you doing the work of Christ when he says to go and make disciples. It's time for the harvest. It's ripe, it's plenteous. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to destroy, a time to rebuild. These churches that have been closed because of the pandemic, when you go back to rebuild, it's rebuilding with the word of God, not with the program and the pretense. Rebuild with the word of God through the spirit of God, saints. A time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time for scattering stones, a time for gathering stones, a time to hug, a time not to hug. I think we'd love to hug now that we haven't been able to touch one another for two years. You can't go back into the houses of worship, go back into the houses of your family members, go to your neighbors, and you all don't want to embrace one another. We couldn't embrace because we could kill one another through a pandemic that we didn't know how it could be transmitted. But what is your excuse now? A time to hug and a time not to hug. A time to find, a time to lose. A time for keeping, a time for throwing away. A time to tear, a time to repair. We have some relationships that we need to spend some time repairing, forgiving, forgiving. Don't waste this time and not forgiving. Don't let bitterness and anger and things that have happened in the past paralyze your future and the relationships. Get that stuff right. It says if you have ought with your brother, leave your leave that thing at the altar, that offering. Go get it right with your brother and your sisters. It is a ridiculous thing to say that you haven't talked to your siblings in years. You haven't talked to that friend in years. Forgive and move forward. A time to be quiet, a time to speak up. A lot of you have been quiet about the word of God. Speak the truth in love, but you need to stop being quiet and being afraid of what they're going to say. If they're going to walk away, if they're going to walk away because you speak the truth in love, then they need to hear it more than you need to be friends or, or family members. You don't have to make a rift, but you can tell them the truth in love. A time for loving, a time for hating, a time for war, a time for peace. What does one really get from hard work? I have thought about this in connection with all the various kinds of work God has given to mankind. Everything is appropriate in its own time. But though God has planted eternity in the hearts of men, even so many cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I conclude that first, there's nothing better for a man than to be happy and to enjoy himself as long as he can. Don't waste time not being happy and your joy comes from the Lord. And second, that he should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of his labors for these are the gifts from God. And I know this, that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added or taken from it. God's purpose in this is that man should fear the all-powerful God. Now we're going to the, that was time. 
The next is don't waste money. God's first fruits of increase, God's blessings of the tithe and offerings that he gives to us. And I'm going to show it in three different perspectives and I'm going to move quickly. The first is the money with the tithes and offerings. Don't waste the opportunity to give unto the Lord, not just for the purposes of the ministry, but for your own blessings. Because when you waste what God has given you as your first fruits of increase, you're putting yourself under a curse. It says here, for I am Matthew chapter three, verses six through 12. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. You've wasted the opportunity for keeping the Lord's ordinances. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? How have we wasted your money, God? How have we, am, am I wasting something? Are you wasting God's money by stealing it and thinking he doesn't know? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse. For if you've robbed me, even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. You're wasting the opportunity for God to prove himself. He says, try me. I'm a testament. You trust God. He is a, he is the deliverer of his promise. His promises never fail. But he says here, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourers for your sakes. Everybody's talking about inflation, gas prices, bread prices, milk prices, light bills, everything. But God says, if you prove him now in this, you don't have to be watching the media and all these different broadcasts of hating on people, hating on politicians, because God will rebuke the devourer even in the midst of inflation, recession, whatever y'all think is going on. There's nothing new under the sun. For those of you who have lived a while, this has happened before and worse. This is not like the Great Depression. But in this case, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be delight. You will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So are you wasting the opportunity to have God rebuke the devourer in the midst of this kind of turmoil that we have? Let's keep going. Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. We all think we know about finances, though God doesn't know anything about finances. Okay, he tells us about tithes and offerings, but he most certainly can't understand about banking and CDs and stocks and money markets and all kinds of compounding interest. He just doesn't have a clue, right? Wrong. When you start to see in this, he starts to talk about the talents. And the thing about us is God has given us financial abilities. Some of us may have $10, some must have $100, some has a thousand, a million but how are you using it? Are you wasting these opportunities of God blessing you? 
because you're not being wise stewards of your finances and you're wasting what God is blessing you and keeping it for yourselves and hiding it and being lazy and being wicked with the, the money and the fruits that God has given you. It says here in verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, his own servants. That's people that say we love God and delivered his goods to them. What he had, he gave. That's why when you think it's all yours, that's the mistake of your mind. You're wasting your understanding because you don't understand that we are supposed to be his servants and everything we have is from the Lord's hand and his grace and his mercy. And to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them. Do you understand how you're wasting the ability to trade what God has given you? Why? Why are you wasting your time and not doing what God has asked you to do with the things that he's given to you? Out of his grace and mercy, he traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. If you know anything about stocks and bonds, you can have a gain, you can have a loss. These two individuals, what God gave five talents, he gained five more. Great return on investment. The two gained two. Great return on investment. But look at what this next servant did. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. How many of you are wasting because you're hiding what God has given you? You're burying it, not in fruitful soil, not for the work of God, not to be ready for when God calls you to give an account. You're burying and hiding it and showing how wicked you are because something about what you think you know about God is totally warped misunderstood. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. There's going to be a settling accounts and it's not going to be about money. Like you said, this is for the kingdom of heaven is like, is like. So God is one day going to have all of us give an account of our life, what we did with the life, the save life that we had. What did we do with what God gave us? Now look what it says. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, and I want you to understand the one that had the most, what happens at the end of the story. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. He didn't waste the talents he had. He grew them. And God gave him a faithful word to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Listen to what it says. His Lord. His Lord was in verse 21. His Lord is also in verse 23. His Lord to, said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We don't want to waste one second of joy with the Lord. That's how we get that happiness of life that we heard about in Ecclesiastes 3. 
Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord. Now he's saying to God, Lord, but I want y'all to say, God, don't say it back. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. He didn't know what he was talking about. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. When you are outside the will of God, you find yourself afraid. You're wasting opportunities, but guess what? You're afraid. You're hiding things. But look at the response that you're going to get. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. But that was a test. It was a test, not a temptation, but a test. This life is an opportunity for you to make a decision. You are either going to accept the free gift of salvation from the father who's given it through the son and inspiring through the Holy Spirit to share the scripture and drawing, or you're going to reject him. And this servant is called wicked and lazy. Are you wasting your time in this earth? the life force in your earth because you're wicked and you're lazy and you think you know what God is doing and you have no clue. You know of God, but you don't know God. This lazy, wicked servant knew of God, but didn't know God. So you ought to have deposited. This is why God knows finance. Cattle on a thousand hills are his, but he knows finances. We're not doing something surprising to him. This technology that we have is not surprising to him. Money and coins is not surprising. So it says, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. God's not stupid. He knows about money. And that's why he says it's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not the money itself. It's the love of it. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. So those who have much will get even more for everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Again, we thought he was a servant, but at the end, he's not. And he's finding himself in hell. Don't find yourself in hell like Judas and Cain and Ananias and Sapphira. Don't find yourself putting on being a member where God wants you to be his disciple. Everybody can be on a church roll. That don't mean everybody going to glory because if God says he don't know you and he says depart, there ain't nothing the pastor, the bishop and all those other people going to do because Christ has got the total knowledge of who's in the Lamb's book of life. Now let's go to this other one. Building bigger barns in Luke 12 verses 16 through 21 because we saw that there was evidence of profit and a lot of people who may be Christians and who may be listening, you got a lot of money in your bank in your stocks, in your assets, in your 401k, in your retirement account. I don't care where it is, but you cannot waste the opportunity to give and be a blessing to others and only think of yourself. That would be a wasted opportunity that God would not be happy from. And I don't want you to think I'm making it up in the new international version out of Luke 12, 16 through 21. And he told them this parable. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, 
what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. It never occurred to him that wasted opportunity to say, I have excess. How can I bless? How can I help? How can I share? Never came to his mind. A wasted opportunity for giving. We are more like Christ when we are giving and forgiving. And here it is in verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He wasted the blessings that he had from God's mercy and grace. And he wanted it all for himself so he could just heap on his own self. He wasted an opportunity to bless others. But God said to him, you fool. I didn't make that up. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You wasted it because you could have given it. You could have shared. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, for themselves, for themselves, but it is not rich, but is not rich toward God. The next one, we said time, we said money. The next is relationships. I'm going to be short in this example. God has told us in the word of God not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. In the story. You know who believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. You know, I don't care if they're pretty. I don't care if they're handsome. If they do not love the Lord Jesus Christ in the 66 books of the Bible and believe that Christ is a Savior and Lord, you're unequally yoked. God says, can two walk together unless they agree? If you know that God has said this is the command, why would you waste your time in a relationship that you know God has said is not of God? It is not what he wants for you. It's not what he's ordained for you. It's not what he's fashioned for your days, but you can jump out and do it. And the example we have, I'm going to real quickly. I'm not even going to go, but five verses of Judges 16, one through 15, one through five, excuse me. Samson was set apart as a Nazarite, took the vows. His parents had the angel come to him. Why in the world would you go through all of that? You're being set aside. Your body, your whole eating hair set aside for a purpose. And then you take yourself into a foreign land. You want to go not just have sex with a woman that could be your wife, that could be a part of your heritage and, and fellowship with the people that love the Lord. You want to go have your sexual encounter that we see here with the harlot, a prostitute, a person that lays down with anybody with coin. Why are even people, we can say, Samson, why'd you do it? But that happens all the time. All of these teachings that I study and research for all of these things about relationships are women and men who jump into bed with people who have no religion, faith, or knowledge of God or interest in God. All they want to do is have something for one minute and two minutes. And oh, that's great. Nobody is getting the benefit of that, especially the person that's doing it. But here you have Samson in verse one. Now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. He went and had sex with a prostitute, a harlot. When the Gazarites were told Samson has, 
has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it is daylight, we'll kill him. And in these relationships that are ill-advised, disobedient to God's word, you find yourself in the wrong bed with the wrong people, in the wrong locations, outside God's will. And guess what? It shouldn't be a surprise that Satan's whole purpose, again, is to steal, kill, and destroy you. And then you have this story where these people are plotting to kill him. But even then, he when he meets Delilah, Delilah has people coming willing to give her silver so she can entice him to get his, the knowledge of his secret. She wasn't in love with him. Some people are wasting time in relationships where the people don't love God. They don't love you. And everything about the situation is to destroy you and kill you and cause you to fail and succeed and get your eyes poked out and your life taken from you. What are you wasting? Relationships, time, money. And here we see here in Samson lay low till midnight. Then he rose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gates of the city and two gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulder and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. That wasn't smart enough because relationship stupidity doesn't just happen once. It happens twice. It happens three times. We just go on and on with these repeated patterns of brokenness and brokenness of brokenness. And here he goes back again. Verse four, afterward it happened. I wish I could say happen again. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Y'all know that story. He didn't learn enough from the harlot and the Gazrites trying to kill him. He goes back and then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, he, why is he even in Philistines messing with a Philistine woman? Why is he even doing that? He has been a Nazarite set aside. If he wasn't supposed to eat grape juice and not have his hair cut and not have this and that because of the Nazarite vow, what all of a sudden is now just go have some sex with some prostitute. Oh, just go over to the Philistines and get yourself a woman. What is going on here with this man? And that's what some God must what well, someone say to us. What is going on when it comes to our relationship? Why are we wasting time with people who do not know the Lord, do not love God, do not love you? If they don't love God, they don't know how to love you. I don't care what they're promising and saying. They don't love God. They don't even know how to love you. And if they knew how to love you, they would wait and they would do what God says when it comes to not having you as a long-term girlfriend, a boyfriend forever. God wants us to be man and wife. Not asking us to be shacking and doing all this crap. Anyway, let me settle down. All right. And the Lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him and find out where he gets his strength, where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver. All right, so we've heard relationships, we've heard about money, we've heard about time. Now we're going to the spiritual gifts. And the reason why I say spiritual gifts because we always read this thing about our reasonable service, our body that here in Romans 12, let's start at verse one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't waste your body. Don't waste your body. Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable sacrifice, service. And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't waste your mind in all of the garbage that all of this world is peddling right now untruth, untruth, untruth. Don't do that. It's wasting your mind 
and your mind needs to be renewed through the washing of the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, not what all these lettered stations of the news and the papers and the, and the people who have got every kind of opinion other than God's opinion. And don't let no man ever perform to the point that you think that he's God. Only Jesus Christ is God. I don't care about no president. I don't care about no ambassador. I don't care about red, blue, yellow, green, all that stuff. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. And don't ever believe that a man cannot lie because we are liars. And God says it's only God that cannot lie. Do not be conformed to this world, by the but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the spiritual gifts, and I'm going to say them very quickly because of time. We're going to the verse three. For I say that through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly. Are you wasting yourself because you think of yourself too highly? Think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Are you wasting the measure of faith that God has given you? For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individual individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Are you wasting because you're not using the gifts that God has given you? If prophecy, let us prophesy. Are you wasting your prophecy in the proportion to our faith? Are you wasting your faith or ministry? Let us Use it in our ministering. Are you wasting the ministering? He who teaches in teaching, are you wasting the gift of teaching? He who exhorts in exhortation, are you wasting exhortation? We need encouragers. He who gives with liberality, are you wasting your giving? He who leads with diligence, we definitely need leaders. Are you wasting your leadership that God, the spirit of God has gifted you? He who shows mercy with mercy, with cheerfulness. Now the other is first Corinthians 12, but because of time, I'm going to jump down to verse four. It was going to be one through 11, but let me just jump to verse four. So this list that you can see, there are diversities of gift, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. When you're wasting your gifts, you're not able to help us all profit and be in one accord and unity with the need of these gifts. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one, the prophet all in all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Are you wasting the word of wisdom? Really? To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Are you wasting the word of knowledge to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit? Are you wasting faith in healings? People are dying in the pandemic. Are you wasting the gift that the spirit has given you of healings? To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. Are you wasting the interpretation? Are the people that are not even sharing the tongues, which is the Holy Spirit's language of God to us to have the revealed word of God and the knowledge, the discerning of spirits. We have so much spiritual warfare. Are you really wasting the gift of discerning of spirits and prophecy and the miracles that we need in this earth now? Are you really wasting them? But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. God has willed 
If you know that God has given you any of these gifts, it is his will for you to use them. Not have them and sit on your posterior like that lazy servant who buried and hid his talent. Use it so that we can have the benefit all in all for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the glory of the gospel. Now go to John chapter three, verses 16 through 22, I believe, because I'm ending this with this. Are you wasting God's promise and his salvation of Jesus Christ? The wages of sin is death and God through his son, Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. He paid that penalty. Are you wasting the gift of God, the free gift of God? He gives you this gift and you're like, no, I don't want it. I'd rather go to hell. I'd rather do my own thing. Are you absolutely stupid enough to waste the gift of God, which God gave his beloved one and only son for our salvation? Are you really going to waste that gift? And that's for those people who they don't want to know God. They want to know everything but God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nike says do it, but I'm saying don't do it. Don't waste your one opportunity. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. There are no multiple ways. I've seen bumper stickers as I go out with my dog to walk, and they have all these different people, and they put Jesus in the lineup. Jesus is not in the lineup. Jesus is the one way to get to the Father. These other things and people that they're throwing in, that is not of God. That is of the devil, and he's going to hell, and he's going to know that he's going to be there with a lot of people who are going through that foolishness. So let me read this scripture. Matthew, sorry, John three sixteen, going through verse actually 21, John three sixteen, going through 21 for God. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't waste your everlasting life. Don't waste the gift that God has given for Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Don't waste your opportunity to be saved. Don't waste and find yourself condemned. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed to the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the command condemnation that the light has not come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I beg you, I beg those of you who don't, have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't find yourself wasting this natural life that will come to an end for all of us. Nobody is here to stay forever and will live and live and live no matter how much money. There is a time to be born and there's a time to die. Don't let time go by without you making a relationship for Jesus Christ. Don't allow money because there's lots of examples where people with money are going to hell. The rich man was in hell looking up and he asked for Lazarus to give him just a drop of water. It's not going to happen. Relationships. Don't let the relationships with ungodly 
partners cause you to go to hell. Don't let them steer you away from God. Even if you're in the midst of it, you can repent and ask God to forgive you and, and, and do what God says. If it's an unhealthy relationship that is not of God, it's disobedient to his word. I'm not telling you to walk away from a marriage, but God tells you what you need to do when it comes to unbelieving people. And if you're not married to them, don't do it. Don't do it. I know it'll hurt for a while, but it's better to hurt for a while to be tangled up into some mess. So all of the things, especially your gifts, it's as the spirit wills. We need the gifts in operation for the body of Christ, not just for the congregations that may meet a few times in a week, but the entire body. We need the gifts to be in operation. Satan has his demons working overtime. We need those of you who are wasting, sitting back, hiding in fear because of what? I don't know. Because God says he would be with you to the end of the age. He never leave you or forsake you. So you're not by yourself, but our harvest is ripe saints, but the labors are few. And because there are some that are wasting time, gifts, money in relationships that are not of God. Come on, come on. Don't waste your salvation. It's too important. It's eternal. It's not temporary. It's eternal. So it's my prayer that something has been said tonight to shake you, wake you up. If you don't know Christ, Lord willing, please, please, please let the spirit draw you and open your heart to receive what thus saith the Lord. He loves you enough that he sent his only begotten son for your salvation. And for those of you that say that you love God and you're sitting on the sidelines, you better look at that thing because I don't want you to be in Matthew seven and God say to you, I never knew you depart from me. You work of iniquity. And like Judas and Cain and King Saul, there are people in positions. God knows motives. God knows who's true and who's just playing games. So I love you. I thank you all so much. Tonight is the last night for the registration or just put in your email on my website, www.4doesproducton.org. I know I've heard a lot of people say, I don't know technology. I don't know. You go on a search, whether it's Safari for the Apple or you go on to Google for Android, you type in www.4doesproducton.org. And you, you just put in your email, go to the homepage and go, I put the link all I can do. If you want to do it, if you want me to put you up for your, for our mailing list, you can put it in our, a comment, put your email in the comment. As soon as I see it, I will delete it as best I can. You know, technology is there, but when I see it, I will go and have our team put it in for the mailing list. If you don't know how to do anything, but type it in the comment, just put it in the comment by tonight. I will give latitude. If you got to do it in the next couple of days, I, if I see it this week, I will put it in, but I'm going to send out overcoming failures. As I shared to those of you who I do have your, um, emails. Thank you all for that. And Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you. Amen. Good night. Good night.